Oh yeah, oh yeah, hello everyone. Oh yeah, oh yeah, hello everyone, hello everyone. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of Let's Talk About the Happenings. LTAH on MRI podcast. This is a program that has been designed to feature and talk about the trending issues as it directly or indirectly affects us. So it should also help us to make some informed decisions about our choices and our approaches to every day-to-day challenges. I'm your host M-U-Z-Z-A-M-M-I-L. So sit back, relax, and as usual, grab a cup of coffee, cocoa, or even a camel because we will be right back. Yeah, so today we are going to be joining first to the east, not the Middle East and not the eastern part of uh, Nigeria, so to say, but we are going to Kenya in the eastern part of Africa. Of course, Kenya has been one of the fastest moving economy in that region and even at large in Africa is more like the third fastest growing economy uh, behind Nigeria and then South uh, Africa and is rapidly becoming a force in Africa uh, but not without its own share of uh, corruption and terrorism and other things that plague the African countries um, at the moment. Well, it's no longer news that she had an election earlier this month around the ninth day of August in 2022 and the results so far from the election contested has been announced and it has generated a whole lot of debates and controversies. The election has on the ballot paper four candidates which included the incumbent uh, vice president William Bruto and also a 76 year old uh, Raila Odinga who has a record of contesting for the fifth time. Yeah, he has contested five different times never want anyway and not to forget also a certain wajakoya who was more like a social media sensation his dressing was kind of uh, weird and then i was even thinking he was even going to pull a good uh, large chunk of a vote but at the end of the day it is what it is if we okay we would also be looking at that and how it relates to the nigerian election space you know as it's just 2023 around the corner are there similarities there are there lessons that we can pick we're going to be looking at talking about that so for Raila Odinga, before the election, analysts have uh, predicted that he was going to win the election, considering his level of exposure, I mean his experience coming into the election, having contested four times before before this one. So it was more like, okay, this was, they thought it was going to be a win for him. And also considering the kind of relation they had with the sitting president, I mean the outgoing president, Uru Kenyatta. But at the end of the day, the, the way the things went didn't go uru for him in Kenya town. <laughs> Wait, how did I even make that up? That was that was fine, wasn't it? So even though he was close to the president Uru Kenyatta, things were, did not go for Uru for him in Kenya town. <laughs> but anyway, Odinga's influence doesn't help it didn't help him to achieve this anyway. So he he led the social media polls according to what I read and I also Googled him as well. He is the son of Kenya's first vice president. So you can imagine the kind of influence he was bringing. And 
all that it did not work in his favor because the vice president, the incumbent vice president, which was a younger William Ruto, won at the main poll. Ruto is around 56 years and he's seen as the people's choice, maybe. Uh, in fact, he has this nickname of Ursula. Maybe it was given to him or he named himself Ursula during the, can- during the campaign period. But the name stuck very well and then it was more like a revolt against the elite or the godfatherism, so to say, in the country. So he garnered a total of 50.49% of the total vote cast to win the election and then returned as the president-elect of uh, Kenya. His runner-up, which was Raila Odinga, of course, was around 48%. So the gap wasn't that far. It was a very close contest. But at some point in time, when you check in the morning, it's Odinga leading. And by afternoon, it's uh, Oluto leading. Before you say Jack Robinson, Odinga is leading again. And then before you need to again, check again, it was Ruto leading. So it's so transparent that we could follow from the screen. It was We could see the way the votes have been counted and the way it was rolled. Hopefully... Of course, Nigeria is going to be Nigeria's is going to be better, and then we're going to see live results. And then, since with the introduction of the uh, e-transmission uh, through the electoral acts, but the results after being announced by the electoral body, uh, it has been queried and then it has been rejected by the Odinga camp. Of course, what do you expect? Isn't this Africa again? That's what we do in Africa. And now, after the polls, we wait for the courts to declare the winner. Not even the electoral body this time, because whatever the electoral body declares. We are still going to court to challenge it, you know. So definitely they are going to go to court. So, but let's see how that turns out. So, uh, it uh, it took time before the result was announced. Anyway, it was beyond the constitutionally stipulated time for the announcement of results in the country. Even though at that, four out of the seven ranking members of the electoral body came out to debunk and then say that they are not. in tandem with whatever the body, the main body is uh, declaring that they do not trust the process and everything. The process you were part of in the first place was this is Africa. So they said, owing to the opaque nature of the process, they are not uh, in support of whatever has been announced. But the body went on to announce the results. And then, in fact, I thought it was only in Nigeria that we threw cheers. I was amazed to see another set of African leaders throwing and scattering tables and then chairs at the uh, a venue where the announcement was uh, was made. Oh, by the way, that's Kenya, isn't it? Nigeria's own is always uh, different. We go overboard sometimes. So maybe, what does this have in stock for us? So how does this affect us? Come 2023, how are we going to decide? Are we going to even be more chaotic at the end of the day? Or maybe in a kind of peaceful way? Because to speak, to say the truth, the Kenyan election was to a very large extent, peaceful. But I was even uh, amazed, I was impressed, not until the announcement. No ballot snatching at the polling youth, no riot at the polling center, no violence, as in it, was, it went on smoothly. Just up until the announcement, it was the announcement that, that caused the chaos and the likes, and it was kind of expected, isn't it? But the election itself went on smoothly. No party against one party, smashing ballot box and that. So maybe we can have something like that in Nigeria as well, hopefully. And then, anyway, some people have been trying to draw some similarities to the Nigerian scene. Uh, some have mentioned that the vice president, Oshibajo, vice president's feet would have been like the William Ruto's case if the APC hadn't uh, rooted him out of the, through the primaries. So, 
<laughs> I even read some tweets and posts about how Peter Obi would be the William Ruto of 2023. <laughs> it's so funny, dude. And then it's maybe relatable, maybe not. But anyways, I won't say anything for now. It's fine. We can all make prediction. And left to me, I would say and I would emphasize that we should not be too carried away with what's happening there. It's just a different. It, there are different terrains, different terrains in different situations. So, in fact, the fact that it works in Kenya does not mean that it would work in Nigeria. It can work there and flop here and vice versa. We have different uh, conditions, maybe. So, is the reason why I would keep mentioning that we hold our own destiny to our balls. You shake and scrutinize our aspirants. I already told us how we can do that from the last previous episode. So keep asking the question, keep getting the right answers, and make sure you open your mind to allow differences, some different and dissenting arguments to come in. Then you reason along the line yourself. Don't just block the head and say, okay, yes, this is my candidate, and I'm not even listening to anybody. For me, I think it is too early to, 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 to decide on which candidate to support at the moment. You can have one that, okay, just engage in argument basically, but don't fight anyway. Make sure you're engaging and then discuss, uh, have robust arguments. But 2023 is not far away, basically. It looks uh, it looks distant, maybe six months or there, but practically it is not. So let us not lose focus. Let's keep asking those questions. Seek for a better future or a better Nigeria, as the case uh, may be. So, election wasn't the only thing that drew my attention to Kenya. Anyways, yes, it was more than just the numbers from the from the polling unit. I got fascinated by a recent development I read in tech in the country, and I think it's a feat that is achievable in Nigeria as well. Maybe with the commitment of our leaders or probably the commitment of everybody on on deck. So I read Kenya ruled out a master plan that saw the introduction of coding, yes, coding, into the curriculum of uh, the primary and secondary schools in the country. Yes, that's, 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 that's what's up. Because, I mean, if this is not just a, going to be a lip service, like African leaders always do, like the talk, talk, the ordinary talk, I think to me this is a well-informed initiative to... Introducing kids early enough to the rudiments and the aspect of this aspect of technology, it's going to really help the minds. It's open up the space and then make them even more creative in a venturing and moving for forward. So after all, it's a tech world now, and everybody wants to be a tech bro, a Texas, isn't it? So you can imagine how difficult it has been for some of us struggling to focus and then learn the rudiments of the coding. Not that we don't want to learn, but we are learning actually, and then we are progressing. Uh, but if we have been exposed very well back in those days, maybe in secondary schools, if we have been exposed better, it will have been a smooth ride for us now, isn't it? Because back then, one majority of us, I mean, what we learned then was computer studies, not even computer science, not like computer studies. If you know what I mean, like, we will just go to the computer rooms there for schools that are even fortunate to have computers, computer room. We just go to the computer room and then we'll be able to press keyboard, we press touch monitor and then basically what some of us were able to learn from then was maybe booting, one booting and then uh, code booting basically. Even though for the help of some of our parents that sent us into some computer lessons outside the uh, school, maybe we will still be stuck with uh, what we learned in secondary school. So, this is one reason why I think uh, 
it's going to be a good initiative if we in our own country here yeah, our government can also follow suit uh but the challenge however would be with the accessibility to 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 internet uh, because it's a question of how accessible is internet to schools i mean both public and private schools now how accessible is how well connected is even the country when it comes to data at this level where we are buying data on the a very high price uh, i think it's a question the ministry of uh, communication uh, should be able to answer before we start talking about maybe putting coding in the curriculum uh, even our universities are not even well cable, data cabled so don't get me wrong i'm not saying we cannot learn coding without uh, the internet but it helps a whole, a whole lot especially when one is taught Maybe it helps, even helps in maybe the case of debugging and even makes it easier. Except if you have a very unwell vast uh, tutor. But moving forward, our universities should also uh, be well capable, like I was mentioning, like I was saying earlier. Uh, maybe that's one of the things they actually should even include in their demand. Uh, in terms of easing operation and the likes. And then speaking about uh, the actual demand, as at the time of recording this audio, it's 185 days of the strike action is almost going into becoming a very long strike action of course the record for the longest strike action so far is around 220 days and this is around 185 so i hope it won't get to 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 that to breaking that uh, record we well i got a snap peek uh, into an interview with the asu chairman on tv the other day when he mentioned that the the issue around the IPPIS and the UTAS has been resolved. So hopefully so, things are going to be settled sooner. as But negotiation meeting held with the federal government and the academic staff union of university on the 16th of August ended again in a deadlock, dashing the hope of an imminent resumption of activities in our schools. Uh, it's becoming unheard of actually, and then something needs to be done on time. So the union had met with the Professor Nemi Briggs Committee to negotiate the 2009 agreements uh, in Abuja. Um, sources claimed, however, that the Nemi Briggs Committee did not come to the table with anything new except from the pleas and the beg that they've always been, uh, been bringing. So the lecturers left the meeting. They said they walked out of uh, the meeting. So at the moment, only God knows the end date of this uh, strike action. But sincerely, Nigerians are really, really tired. I can't. I don't even know what to say or how to put it this time around. But let's hear your thoughts about these and other issues that has been raised in this episode by using the hashtag #MRightLTAH. I repeat, #MRightLTAH. That is M W R I T E S L T A H across the social media platform. So gather them all and then share them on uh, the next episodes uh, of our podcast. So. Um, let's just hear what you, let's hear what you feel. Let's hear what you talk about. So that's it today on the LTAH. Let's talk about the happenings this week on MRite Podcast. So remember to do more than just talking. Take action and be involved in every of the, pro- in the every of the process. So until next time, I am M U Z Z A M I L. Do not forget to share this podcast with friends and families. We wish you the very best in your future endeavors. Peace out. Peace out.